everyone, and welcome to Two Pills Podcast. Today, I am so excited to have our guest, Dr. Taylor Stuber, on with us. He is an assistant clinical professor at the Auburn University Harrison School of Pharmacy and a clinical pharmacy specialist within the UAB Division of Internal Medicine at Huntsville Hospital. He joined HSOP in August 2016. He earned his PharmD from the University of Missouri at Kansas City at MU in 2014. He did a PGY-1, PGY-2 combination 24-month pharmacotherapy residency with Indiana University and Butler University in Indianapolis. And in his free time, he likes to do anything sports or outdoors related, especially baseball, golf, fishing, and hiking. And his goal is to one day visit all of the Major League Baseball stadiums. So welcome. Thank you for having me, Lauren. Absolutely. So I know we went through a little bit of a bio, but could you just tell us about yourself and your teaching style? Yeah. So my name is Taylor. I actually grew up in Columbia, Missouri. I, uh, My grandpa, it was funny, my grandpa... Uh, he always wanted one of his uh, daughters or his sons to become a pharmacist, and just despite him, they all said, "No, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go do something else." And so uh, then he moved on to his grandchildren, and so he uh, ran and operated an independent pharmacy in Missouri, and so he finally got through to me, and I was the first uh, one in his uh, line of uh, line of command to become a pharmacist. So. I mean, it's very exciting and very new, but as far as my teaching style, I really just try to let the students do the learning themselves and really empower the students. So I think one of the biggest things is is uh, just trying to teach them how to learn, and and so that's kind of something I always keep in mind at the back of my mind when I'm developing uh, different activities and things for them to do, whether it be in the classroom or in the experiential setting. So that's one of the biggest themes in, in my teaching. Awesome. So can you tell us about, I know we all you know get excited about our teaching strategies, right? So can you tell us about one that you, um, that went really well and maybe unexpectedly well? And then can you tell us about a time when you tried to implement a teaching strategy that didn't go very well? Yeah, so absolutely. Um, one of the one of the things I did uh, recently was implement a, a game yeah. uh, into um, my teaching of uh, community-acquired pneumonia. And so I developed a snakes and ladders game based on, um, you know, the childhood games, snakes yeah. and ladders, and um, used it as kind of an end-of-unit review, if you will. And mm -hmm. so the students, at first, they thought it was going to be really corny and everything. They're like, why is he making us play this, like, old-school game and everything? But... Uh, at the end of the day, it was a very good review for them, and they said uh, they responded very positively to it. They really enjoyed uh, having questions to help them review for the exam and kind of reinforce some of the material or help them identify areas that they, you know, that knew that they were deficient in. So that's something that has gone really well. Um, something that um, I guess in that same unit, one of the things that I had them do is try to. Uh, utilize the uh, electronic health record mm -hmm. um, and I think it went well in some ways so you can always take something good of course away from it yeah. but uh, one of the things was they had a lot of trouble or issues with uh, trying to navigate through it and so it took up a lot of class time um, so I have to kind of make sure I balance for that and probably will use maybe I tried to do a lot of cases in the EHR mm -hmm. And so maybe scaling it back a little bit and just kind of walking it, walking through um, at a more stepwise approach and 
um, in the future. Yeah. yeah. So just to go back to the snakes and ladders game, I, I am very partial to using <laughs> games in the classroom. I love it. And I've also used a form of snakes and ladders or shoots and ladders. And again, I thought, my colleague and I who put it together, we thought this is going to be, they're going to think it's so lame. You know, you think millennials love technology, mm -hmm. but they loved it. I think it's part of like that they get to work in teams and it's at their own pace and all of that. Um, so I've definitely seen where they've liked it. Can you talk about just in case someone is thinking, I'm not creative enough to put together this game, or what are the logistics yes. I have to deal with with this game? Can you speak a little to that? Yes, absolutely. So I actually had to coordinate it between two different campuses. We have a satellite <laughs> campus, so that's that's no excuse. But yeah. uh, no, so I think one of the easiest things is just to know that it's not going to be exactly like the uh, – you can't follow the exact rules of, of whatever game you're trying to kind of mimic or mirror, but you can kind of have develop some sort of theme around it. Mm -hmm. So I think when you, when you think about these games, you, you, you revert back to thinking about what are the exact rules of that game and how does that even fit into what I'm trying to teach or what I'm trying to develop into a game. So first and foremost, I think that's the number one rule, but, mm -hmm. um, I say try to start with something very simple, mm -hmm. um, and so Snakes and Ladders was a really just kind of straightforward game, and you kind of just develop questions to help them, and then um, that they can work it through in teams. But um, another thing is, I think when you're developing a game, I tried to mim minimize the number of materials they needed overall, so I tried to develop all of my stuff into... Uh, electronic documents mm -hmm. and everything, and so their actually their game board and everything was even electronic, mm -hmm. and they um, could move move it electronically, and so that really helped with trying to organize it across multiple campuses. True, you and don't need materials because I don't have to send dice three hours away. Right, so, absolutely. So that was another thing to kind of keep in mind. Cool. Yeah, I totally agree. I think, and that's what I think people can start with. I think a lot of people have this misconception of games that you have to build a video game or you have to do something super intense. Whereas if you just overlay, just like you're saying, overlay the content onto a game that you're really familiar with. I mean, um, another one I've seen really successful is, um, I don't know if you've seen, but on Jimmy Fallon, he uses catchphrase sometimes, like with his celebrities, and he uses the buzzer sound, but everything else is his own content. And I saw another faculty member do that, and I was like, that's genius. I mean, you can. Yes. There's so many things you can apply with games. So absolutely. I absolutely love those. Absolutely. Um, so when did you you went to uh, residency as to do pharmacotherapy? But when did you know you wanted to teach? So it's kind of interesting because I actually knew I wanted to teach when I was a student, and um, even in undergrad, I kind of knew that that's kind of where I wanted to go. Hmm. So my dad, uh, he. He's an actuary by trade, but he also does teaching on the side. And he loves to teach math. Mm -hmm. And so he kind of instilled that into me. And when I was a, an undergraduate, I would help tutor organic chemistry. And, mm. you know, seeing the light bulbs go off in those students is really what solidified it for me. And I kind of developed my experiences in rotations and during pharmacy school around uh, gaining experience in teaching and precepting and and so when I actually applied for residency, that was a big component that I was trying to look for. And so the, the residency that I completed was really heavily focused on teaching uh, with the School and College of Pharmacy at Butler University. So I kind of knew that's kind of where I wanted to go, which was very fortunate for me because I got to develop all my experiences around that. 
instead of you know realizing later in the game that I wanted to go back and be a teacher so exactly so it was a blessing in that aspect yeah so I think there's a lot that happens between that transition from being because I did a PGY2 as well um, and so that that transition between being a resident fellow postdoc whatever into your first academic career so can you talk a little bit about what insight you wish you had on your first day or what you would tell a faculty member on their first day? Absolutely. And I still tell this to myself on a daily basis, but <laughs> it's okay to fail or mm-hmm. if things aren't perfect or don't work out a certain way. Um, just realize that, take that as a learning experience. And, and I really try to, every, everything that I do, uh, whether it be positive or negative, I always try to take something out of it and learn mm-hmm. and uh, utilize some of their feedback to build on my next experience so I can make it that much better. So I think uh, going back to tell, telling yourself it's okay if you fail, it's not always going to work out, but it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. That's the biggest thing. Awesome. Are there any um, books, podcasts, resources that you would recommend for yeah, someone in this career? And one of the books that I've recently read uh, that actually has been brought up a lot at this meeting is the book uh, called Drive by Daniel Pink. Uh Uh, It talks about motivation and why we do the things that we do. And um, it really helps in my aspect, kind of keeping those things in mind as to, you know, one of the concerns uh, uh, for people in academia is burnout. And so I think that that, if you really... Uh, look within yourself and figure out what motivates you and why you're doing this. Uh, it really helps you kind of keep that in mind as you move forward um, and progress in this career. So yeah, that's what I, one I would definitely recommend to to everybody. And then also I would recommend Two Pills Podcast to Heck everybody. Yeah. So Woo! yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Thanks for that shout out. Um, so it sounds like you have a lot of interest, you know, outdoorsy interests. Um, if you were in healthcare or teaching pharmacy education, what would you be doing for your career? Well, I always dreamt of being a major league baseball player when oh, I was sure. when I was younger uh, and played baseball all growing up. So that's that's definitely one thing. But I realize that that's a very minimal portion of the population that actually gets to do that. <laughs> so the other thing that I really like to do is cook. So oh, nice. I think I would be a chef. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I guess I'm still a chef at home for my fiance and everything, mm-hmm. but. Um, I have to uh, do all the cooking, but I really, <laughs> but enjoy, enjoy, it, I really yeah. enjoy it. Exactly. So it, 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 it works out. Absolutely. Yeah. So between the different hats that you wear as a clinical specialist, as a teacher, what's your favorite part of your job? I just love any time I get to interact with students or mm-hmm. residents or learners because they always are looking at me for you know what they can learn from me and I uh, really enjoy just seeing seeing them progress in their careers and do the things that they want to do in their career and mentoring them. So I, it, it doesn't really matter whether it be within teaching or research, but just anything that I can do to help them progress and uh, become the person that they want to be is, is most uh, rewarding for me. Great. So when it comes to getting ideas for teaching, who inspires you or where do you get your best ideas? Well, we have a lot of great pharmacy education journals, and mm-hmm. I really uh, try to step to date and look at some of the cool things that everybody's doing. I, I know I always scan when whenever a new issue or volume comes out. Uh, the first thing that I do is kind of scan all the titles and see 
all the things that are going on and what the th- what kind of things that people are doing. But then I really try to think of something and I, I always go back to thinking like a student mm-hmm. and what kind of things that they want to do um, or what things that they find interesting and, and try to build my materials around that. Very simplistic and straightforward, but that will allow us to kind of expand from there and go into a little bit more depth. But And I always try to do something that's fun and, yeah. and interactive. Uh, whether it be a game or uh, some sort of cases and critical thinking questions, I always I always try to do that uh, yeah. as part of my um, teaching. Absolutely. So my last question for you is: What is your overall prescription for success and happiness in this job, and then in general? I think one. Um, try to get a hobby outside of <laughs> outside of <laughs> yeah. pharmacy and so I really enjoy all the things that you had mentioned you yeah. know doing stuff outdoors um, making sure I have have time to do those things and mm-hmm. building time in for yourself and really uh, reflecting on what you like to do um, I think if you always kind of just narrow yourself and only think about about your career I think that that in the long term can um, lead to burnout and um, so just just enjoy it and while you can and as you as you go forward in your career I think uh, that's that's the most important thing absolutely and then sorry I know that I said that was my last question but that's right um, so because just because you mentioned burnout do you have you seen either in a journal at a meeting or just in your own career with mentors um, with you or your mentors um, ways to combat burnout because I feel like it's a hot topic right now and I feel like no one really knows yeah and that's that's the whole thing if you can figure out how to (laughs) how to prevent it I think that that's the most important thing but I think uh I think you just have to keep in mind and I think Daniel Pink talks about this in the book that I had mentioned Mm -hmm. is uh you really have to build up build a motivation and know have like a, a passion and purpose for what you're doing and realize that and then build some sort of autonomy so I think you know, doing what you love to do and being at, ha- having some uh, flexibility with that. So um, I think that that's something to always keep in mind and mm-hmm. making sure that you uh, only are taking the oppor- you take the opportunities, but you make sure that you balance it with your um, the time that you have available. So I know we love to say yes to everything, mm-hmm. but you know sometimes that's not always the the best case that scenario that we could put ourselves in so really utilizing the opportunities that are going to help uh, push our careers forward the most I think is is one way you can kind of think about it but uh, if you find a good answer for that <laughs> yeah. I would love to know Absolutely. or anybody out there exactly right? write us in let us know right. well thank you so much thank you so much for having me Lauren